electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I didn't want to just give the software out. I was like, I, I figured if I can turn this into something that people can just go and sign themselves up for and just fill out a little form and you get your own store and everything I learned is just something that you get, mm-hmm. um, then that would be, I think that would be a valuable business. Toby Lutka is the founder and CEO of Shopify, a public company worth $17 billion. The shopping landscape is changing fast with new tax laws, same-day delivery, in-store pickup, and mobile payments adding new twists and capabilities all the time. Lutka and Shopify provide technology tools to simplify all that for merchants. I'm John Ford for CNBC, and you're listening to the Fort Knox Podcast, Rich Ideas and Powerful People. I do this weekly, bringing you the highest achievers. We're going to learn how the very best climb to the top and pull out lessons along the way. If that sounds good to you, make this a habit and subscribe. I talked with Toby recently at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square as talk of tariffs and taxes are swirling. We talked about what's allowed Shopify's stock to double in a year and how he went from a teenage German apprentice to a Canadian entrepreneur who's now a billionaire on paper, by the way. Here's Toby Lutke. There's a lot going on in your space these days. And by your space, I mean Canada. Mm. (laughs) Apparently, Canada is... uh, is kind of in a, a tense trade position with the United States, which is a weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. You're in e-commerce. Commerce is part of what trade is about. How does this strike you? Yeah. Um, uh, well, I mean, interesting times, I think, for everyone. Um, uh, my, of my first 100 customers with, with Shopify, most were in the United States. This is the story all across Canada. It's um, we have very integrated um, economies we are great friends um, we um, I think we get along really really well um, right now we are talking about some differences I think this won't have much of a bearing in the long term Shopify is now I believe around a 17 billion dollar company you started it around 12 years ago you've been mm-hmm. public for three years e-commerce was was kind of an old idea <laughs> web web 1.0 yes. amazon and ebay were supposed exactly. to have figured it out exactly a lot of times we talk about amazon as if it's got the whole space locked up and yet shopify is growing uh, adobe just bought magento yeah. a competitor of yours what's going on beneath the level where a lot of people look that's driving your business yeah it's um you're, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, when started a company right during the nuclear winter that came from the dot-com crash. Um, and what I found, I saw snowboards in the beginning. Um, and I found... Snowboards? Snowboards, yes. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm, I lived in Canada, right? So um, Lots of snow. Makes well, sense. Half a year you're snowboarding. <laughs> <laughs> if, you do, if you do Canada right, that's what you do. Um, so I knew a lot about snowboarding. I knew a lot about technology. I put the two together and built an online store selling snowboards. Um, what I found was that this was 
you know, I love this ent entrepreneurial activity. I, I just love the concept of building a business from scratch. I built the software and so on. And um, uh, what I found is that e-commerce building stores, um, even though it got sort of blamed for the dot-com crash, was actually an enormous, like just a fantastic economical uh, opportunity. Hmm. And this has been borne out over the last couple of years. It's, it took 20 years, but e-commerce is now, uh, uh, I think, a $1.9 trillion industry. Um, took 20 years. It's going to double in a, just another couple of years. And so I think um, it's, it's red hot now. And I think you're hearing a lot more now about it because uh, folks are figuring out that, um, like, if you talk about the retail industry in total, let's say, you, you can't just talk about Walmart, right? Like, because Walmart is Walmart, it's good at what it does, but it's mm. not terribly exciting. Clearly, the really exciting things happen outside of Walmart. And so people are looking at e-commerce and they look at, say, oh, yeah, they only look at Amazon. And Amazon is just a Walmart of the e-commerce world, right? They're, they're really, really, really good. Uh, that's where people go for the things they need, uh, the necessities and so on. But the, all the really interesting stuff, people taking advantage of is one of the best economic opportunities in our lifetime happens probably outside of it. So who's the customer who says, I'm going to use Shopify's tools and build out my own store primarily, not focus on just sending stuff through yeah. Amazon. Give us an example of some of the, the, the brands and yeah. companies building businesses on your platform. Yeah, so, we, uh, so Shopify has now 600,000 uh, uh, customers, 600,000 merchants are selling. We don't yeah. sell their products, like we are helping our customers sell their products. Right? Uh -huh. We are helping um, merchants to build their own stores and, and so on. Tiny mom and pop stores, Fortune 500 companies, they, they're all users. And so far, they have sold about $55 billion worth of, uh, of products on the platform. Let's say you ha you're mm, a furniture maker. Um, you decide, you know, I've made furniture for a while, maybe I have a store, like maybe, maybe I'm selling through a wholesale channel or something. I'm going to go direct, which is what everyone's doing right now. Everyone is, every business in the world is trying to create a direct relationship with their customers. You sign up for Shopify, you tell us about those uh, things you're making for furniture products, um, you get a, a beautiful website, you can design it, you can change it, you can collaborate with designers and all these kind of things. It, it's going to be the place on the internet you own, in fact, probably the only thing you own, um, and uh, this is where you can represent your brand, all these kind of things. Um, and you can accept credit cards, people place orders, you send out the things, you make money, great. The additional thing, which is really why Shopify is doing so well, is that um, now um, you click one button and you're also selling directly through Instagram. You push another button, you're selling through Amazon mm. because that's a lot of volume. You push another button, you uh, install um, software on an iPad, you put that into your store, this is your cash register now. So it's essentially a software that just helps you, um, it gets out of the way, it allows you to focus on the things you're good at um, and, and figures out all the rest for you. Now tell me about you. Uh, you can't believe everything you read on the internet, <laughs> but you have an interesting story, so I'm wondering, you, you drop out of school, yeah. like in the 10th grade? Mm -hmm. Really? That's like a one-up on Steve Jobs and oh. Mark Zuckerberg it, and Bill it, Gates. It's but not really. Um, so, <laughs> so, What's the real story? That's I, why I say you can't believe everything. What really happened here? So uh, I grew up in Germany, uh -huh. um, uh, uh, went to school. Um, after 10th grade, you get an option. Um, in right, in the apprenticeship program. Exactly. Okay. So, um, so technically, according to my papers, I do not have a, a high school diploma, which is correct. I don't. Um, but what I did is I um, uh, left school after 10th grade. 
I joined uh, a big German company called Siemens Nixdorf, um, uh, Siemens now, I think, um, as a apprentice computer programmer. Uh, yeah, I was massively into computers. Uh, I, I just I found computers to be the most interesting things that existed um, <laughs> all throughout my teens, um, and um, uh, I wanted I, I just couldn't wait to get to you know doing more with them. I, I taught myself computer programming when I was quite young, and uh, really wanted to do this all day long. So, so this is what 2001-ish. No, no, no. This no? would be uh, 96. 96. I left, oh, okay. I left school. Um, uh, 16 years old. And um, I, I, I was taken under the wing by, of, of a fantastic mentor um, at Siemens who uh, you know, taught me programming, taught me how to behave in a company and not get into too much trouble. Mm -hmm. This is like, Siemens was a very, like, you, you had to wear a tie <laughs> like every day. That was tough. Has that changed? Point. I mean, when I think of German industrial companies, yeah. I still think it's a little bit buttoned up. I probably don't think it changed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it actually ended up being, um, uh, I, I, I shouldn't say the wrong things. As you mentioned, it's a wonderfully successful company and an important part of the German economy. But it, it did tell me a lot of things not to do when I got to um, luckily be able at one point to start my own company. So um, it was educational in that way as well. And are you hinting at what I often talk to European entrepreneurs about, which is cultural risk yeah. aversion? Yeah, totally. Um, uh, I, I don't know. This may have changed. Like, I look at Berlin now. Um, there's a lot of entrepreneurial activity uh, go going on. So it's probably, my, my, my knowledge about this is probably 15 years outdated now. Um, but during those times, y you worked like, you, you went to a great company and that's when you made it or you became a doctor or whatever, you know. Um, and uh, being an entrepreneur meant no one wanted to hire you. <laughs> so um, uh, luckily I moved to Canada. This was sort of a fluke. My, my now wife, she's Canadian. She was studying in Canada. We were, um, uh, I, I went with her and that's when I started the snowboard business. Um, partly I didn't actually have a work permit in Canada. so. Um, I tried to get hired and after everyone told me you can't actually work without a work permit, someone hinted to me saying, well, you can't work for other people, but you can try to start your own company. <laughs> so that's what I did. Wow. What made you leave Germany? I mean, I guess in the, under the German model, the apprenticeship yeah. program, it's not like you're taking a big risk leaving school early. It's the no. opposite. It's no. you're getting into an on-ramp for career focus as early as possible totally. so you can land that job and be secure. What made you veer off of that path? Yeah, um, it happened, uh, you know, even during my apprenticeship, um, I, I, I just had some friends who um, started a company in the video gaming space, which is clearly 20 years too, too, too early, but mm. now would be a great time to do it. Um, and uh, I, I love what they did. I helped them sort of uh, moonlighting, build some software for them. And at some point they actually asked me to come on board and then they got sold to PC Gamer actually. It's, it's like one of our stories. Um, I actually never finished my apprenticeship. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I moved around too much. So um, the IPO was a big deal for you. <laughs> yeah. IPO was probably my sort of my business degree. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> proved that I actually know anything about anything. So, right. uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, I just, it's, I mean, it was a wild time. Tech in the 90s, um, especially if you, um, uh, because I started programming at 13, so it was by 2000, I, I had seven years of programming um, uh, daily, lots of hours um, behind me. So I, I knew a thing or two about it, and that's just a lot of demand, and it was just really fun time. Were you phased at all by the dot-com bust? 
because I mean, in a way that yeah. happened before yeah. you were really trying to start something. Yeah. So you, you probably didn't go through the emotional trauma of getting the wind knocked out of you. It's right. Um, I, 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 didn't, I didn't really experience it. I, I was still in Germany. Um, it was a little bit different over there. And um, they I were probably I, I, saying, told you so, all you <laughs> well, crazy California tech kids taking risks. No, no, I would have probably been right in there. Like, it just everyone got <laughs> wrapped up in it. You were saying reason. that, but yeah. I mean, I guess Germany being yeah. perhaps a more oh, yes, step, yeah. the culture was saying, ah, see, those crazy tech people go. They need to settle down. And exactly. I mean, look, uh, this, is, this is a wonderful thing about the world is every geographical region sometimes does a brainstorming exercise attempting something. Yeah. Sometimes it works, like, Norwegian, uh, like um, Scandinavian countries figured out how to do schools and so they, they do well on PISA tests or so and now we all know about it, right? California attempted to build a tech industry a little bit too fast <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then that didn't work and we learned from that as well. So um, the funny thing though is, again, I, uh, as I said, it was Webvan, ePads, they were all right. Like every, everyone, every one of those companies was correct in that those were businesses that needed to exist. We are getting our groceries now online. We are, we are, um, people buy their pet food online. Sure. We, we do all these things. Um, it was just too early. It was too expensive. It was, um, you know, the first thing these companies did is they went to Oracle and said, great, I, I've got funding. I now need to give you $5 million for a database service, right? <laughs> And uh, the world we're in now is this is stuff is free. It's open source, everyone can do it, and so on, which is great. This is why we've seen the last 15 years be this incredible renaissance of tech entrepreneurship, because people like me could go into a coffee shop and with a laptop and uh, start programming. And um, build, I built my own online store, and then that became uh, like, well, I sold snowboards, and then suddenly it got warm outside. You know, it turns out people actually <laughs> stop buying snowboards and inform outside. It's a, it's a good lesson to learn. Is that really what caused your pivot, your shift yeah. from using your code to sell your snowboards to using your code to sell your code? Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it, we, we hoped there might be some sales, but there were really nothing. No, no one, once snow is gone, it is it. And um, um, then... Um, I had, it was like, okay, is it going to be skateboards and surfboards for the summer or is there another opportunity here? And at this point, a few people sort of came to me and said, I really like the way Snow Devil looks. This was the name of the store. Mm -hmm. And um, can I license the software? And <clears throat> I didn't want to just give the software out. I was like, I, I figured if I can turn this into something that people can just go and sign themselves up for and just like, fill out a little form and you get your own store and everything I learned is just something that you get. Mm -hmm. um, then that would be, I think that would be a valuable business. And after that realization, it, it was just sort of a genie was out of a bottle and, and it was a year and a half of 16 hours a day, pizza, Coca-Cola, <laughs> and uh, uh, a very understanding uh, girlfriend, a wife, and um, uh, 2006 we launched Shopify. Was it software as a service from the beginning? So I learned that what I did was called software as a service about two or three years after, <laughs> it, it, after we decided the business model. But yes, yeah. that's, uh, that's what it was from the beginning. Um, Shopify profited enormously from a couple of things. Um, at some point in the mid-2000s, I think we figured out how to make internet software. It's, we, we sort of, I think the term was Web 2.0. Uh -huh. People making fun of Web 2.0 now as a, as a thing, but because everyone sort of pretends it was 
I don't know. Well, it used to mean mainly Ruby on Rails, yes. right? Yes, and it's Ruby on Rails. Shopify is Ruby on Rails, one yeah. of the big, probably the biggest software on Ruby on Rails now. And, and um, Google Maps was the first widely distributed exactly. software that I remember that, that used that technology where it's like you can have this graphical richness and I guess it's using underlying JavaScript in a yes. way that um, that's fluid and lets you interact with the content without the page having to reload. You're exactly right. And, 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 and I think, um, so Web2.0 was really a label that was put on, hey, we figured out how to make internet software. So everything that came before, it's not going to get you far, right? So that was important. Second, software as a service. We also just figured out how to sell internet software. That was really big and important. And then later came mobile. And so all these kind of, like, those are massive, massive shifts that happened in this ecosystem. They created an enormous amount of potential. This is why so many companies, so many industries turned over from one company to another. And uh, Shopify was along those. And, and I think we were um, right in there. And we made good software right when the economic crash happened. Mm. Um, and like right when financial crisis happened, right when a lot of businesses said, well, we are spending $500,000 on our e-commerce software a year, but this Shopify thing costs $29 a month and does the same thing. Uh, and, and that seems like a good idea. And more importantly, um, a lot of people, you know, unfortunately lost their jobs, but they said, hey, I'm going to use that opportunity, uh, much like the way I did with Snowboards, I'm going to take a step at this entrepreneurship thing. And then they also found Shopify. So these two forces together meant that 2008, 2009 was really, really good. And Shopify slowly became, woke up from being sort of a sleepy lifestyle company into something that even I admitted was a growth company. In 2010, we took um, VC investment. And uh, then we were on a road to becoming a public company. Taking a shift to the tech scene at large. Hmm? There are people these days who are saying that Google's too big, mm -hmm. Facebook's too big, Amazon's too big, Apple's too big. The word monopoly is getting tossed around a lot, which people like me think is a little odd because in some spaces they're competing with each other. Right. Um, though I guess you can have both true at the same time. Amazon bumps most closely up against your space. Is Amazon too big? I mean, it's, again, I really, Amazon is a war market of our industry. I, I, um, a, a significant amount of the potential of our industry is going, is going to them, but partly because they're doing it better than anyone else. Products you need, you buy on Amazon. Hopefully, there's enough room in the world of products that people really want to uh, allow for a lot of entrepreneurial activity, which is, I think, what we, uh, what we support. Are they too big? I, I'm not the best judge of this. I, 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 don't, uh, I, I think other people have to have a look at that and, 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 and see. Um, but it sounds like you don't have a specific bone to pick with them. No, and, and I think, I mean, you mentioned it. These companies are all working with each other and competing with each other. The tech industry, there are no friendships. There are only, like, everyone's frenemies with everyone else, right? Like, and it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, and it's, it's kind of probably good. It's, I think, part of the reason why tech companies tend to become very good at what they do because there, you, you, there's no way to ever um, slow down <laughs> and you you you're every single day you have to um, uh, you, you have to attempt to become a better company because that's what it takes in this space and um, because of that I think everyone uh, the consumers really benefit um, the um, uh, products getting better and and so on and I think it works at least from perspective of consumers 
The entire idea of antitrust and monopolies comes from uh, Rockefeller's times, right? It was invented for Standard Oil. Uh, Mr. Rockefeller ran a trust, which he invented the concept of. And uh, uh, antitrust was there to, to um, remove it because what the thing he ran um, was bad for consumers. Was, like it kept the oil prices high. And so uh, that's what it got invented for. That is clearly not the situation we are in. And if anything, like if Amazon is a monopoly, which I'm not saying, uh, but if they are, uh, it's a monopoly to the benefit of consumers to a, de to a degree. Now, the people who suffer under Am Amazon's presence and Amazon's worldview is very clear on this. Um, other companies' margins are my opportunities, what Bezos said, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, they, uh, in Amazon's worldview, factories make things and consumer buy things, and between those two things is Amazon and nothing else matters. <laughs> Our worldview is that. Um, the uh, brain power, um, the toil, the craftsmanship, the stories of emergence <coughs> are incredibly valuable and need to be preserved as, um, because this is how new products are made. This is how um, you know, places which aren't you know, Manhattan, um, places which are maybe remote to most cities, have a, a, a way of creating products again, entering the global market. And I think this needs to be an avenue that's available. Finally, I think you described yourself as lucky. But at the same time, as I hear your story and think about it, I push back against that a bit. Because you've made shifts. You went down the apprenticeship route and then decided, no, not going to do that. Moved from Germany to Canada. Started doing the snowboard thing, but in the slow season decided, eh, maybe I need to do a different strategy. Uh, started Shopify. And you must have had several pivots along the way, or at least adjustments based on what you thought the initial plan was. It's not as if you picked one path and just the combination of hard work and luck got you to where you initially aimed. How much has flexibility, admitting you're wrong? I don't know. You tell me what the factor is. Mm -hmm. Maybe there is no one single factor that, that, that plays into those adjustments, shifts, changes of direction that you've made. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to get exact ratios uh, on these kind of things. But I mean, I, I think the, there's a big component of survivorship bias in this, right? The reason why we're sitting here is because um, I got lucky enough to make it through all these kind of situations. I, I, I picked the right way. But Me too. Hey, I'm a journalist. <laughs> I'm sitting here. <laughs> right. So, like, so, so um, it's hard to go back and saying, okay, well, this was in some kind of... Like, and I, I really encourage other entrepreneurs to really try to cultivate an attitude to, to, to not fall into this trap because, like, timing. I, I started Snow Devil and then Shopify at exactly... Like, like I, I can now look back because history is written and I say there was no better time to start this company. Like, a year earlier, wrong technology stack. A year, a year later... Um, other people would have been f too far ahead. And so it is kind of luck, right? And, and I mean, obviously what you try to do, and this is, um, uh, I'm engaged in this all the time. Again, I'm, 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 I was a techie, knew nothing about business and then kind of figured it out over time, is uh, I, I try to learn a lot. <laughs> I try to um, figure out what are the tomorrow's challenges. I, 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 I go to the books. I, I really like history. I um, find the people who've done things before and, 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 and try to cultivate the relationships so I can call them and ask them questions. Um, so, so, so there's a certain amount of preparedness for, 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 for the next step that has to go into it. But like at some point, building companies ends up being, depending on your judgment, and, and, and judgment is never an absolute, where you never have, hey, here's the good option, here's a bad option. It's always, here's five ways to do this. 
two of them might be good, one of them is a slam dunk, the other ones are deaf, right? And um, Shopify is a story of uh, carefully choosing these options and lucky, uh, luckily picking the right ones over time. I implied that was my last question, but I lied. Uh, I thought it was true at the time, but I just remember, I got to ask you about Adobe buying Magento. Yeah. That is a direct challenge, at least, to you, though it also shines light on the fact that, hey, here's a pretty big, successful software company right. that sees an opportunity in a space where Shopify is already thriving. Why should investors, Shopify employees, et cetera, not be worried about what happens with Adobe getting serious about the space? Uh, I mean, there are a couple of different angles to, 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 to go at it. I mean, um, it's important to understand that um, um, you know, Shopify is like really well known for its online store, but it really isn't the full story. But what Shopify does is like again, for if like if you bought something online in the last, anyways, probably a couple of years, um, it wasn't Amazon, and you really liked the experience. That was a Shopify store. Um, but if you buy something on fa Facebook, yeah, that's still a Shopify store. It, if, if you buy something on uh, Instagram specifically, if you walk in m a lot of the stores in uh, Manhattan here, um, you are going to buy things from Shopify point of sale terminals. And so um, what Shopify really is, is actually a new category of software, which, which is an operating system for retail, um, uh, uh, for, for, for retailers. It, it runs all these things, it all flows into the same system, behind that it's all shipped out of the same system and so on. And um, we come from a world, uh, and initially Shopify was, um, a single point solution to the problem of I need an online store. And then eventually we figured out that is really not, like the only reason why that's what we did is because it's easier to build just an online store than building this other thing that no one has done before that runs an entire retail operation. Mm. Magento is, um, uh, is one of those point solutions um, it's it's a it's a good one um, for, for 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 commerce. Um, it's uh, but it's also something that you put on your own servers, and so it comes with all these kind of problems. I think it's safe to say um, when we were a private company, it was really easy um, for us to kind of hide how good this market is and how well this works. Mm -hmm. um, we went public for another year. Everyone was like. Yeah, Toby, what, 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 are you talk, what are you saying there about the space? It sounds good, but like, is it really that big? And um, eventually, I think everyone kind of realized, yes, it probably is really, <laughs> really this big. And uh, you will see more M&A activity by people. I, uh, Adobe has a, they have a lot of free cash flow. This is a, probably a good capital allocation for them. Um, we are actually kind of thrilled by having some more comp competitors because um, we uh, were terrified, <laughs> frankly, um, when we went on our IPO roadshow because we told everyone about this, what we call this multi-channel sell, um, selling. Uh -huh. we, we sort of revealed that to investors. Um, and I was really thinking, I was considering actually not, but then that wouldn't accurately have described a company which the SEC really wants you to do. So. <laughs> they have um, a way of doing <laughs> Yeah, so, so we decided to actually come clean and say, hey, we, We've been rebuilding this airplane mid-flight for the last four years to be this other thing, which is super valuable. And we have um, like six months old business businesses on, on Shopify selling $10 million of products wow. across five different sales channels. Like that is more complexity and, and more sales than um, Nike had 10, 15 years after they were started, right? Yeah. Um, and so, um, so, so th this is a real story. 
and um, uh, we did that, and we thought, okay, the moment we would admit this, everyone would go and build, build, build competitors to this new thing we figured out, and then no one did. So <laughs> it would be, it's actually hard to build a company that's hungry for improvement and success if you don't have a proper competitor, so maybe Adobe will be one. They're in the pool now. Your stock is up about 100% over the past 12 months, so congratulations on that. Nobody's wondering what your story is now. Uh, Toby, thanks for sitting down for Fortnite. Super, that was great. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. I'm John Ford from CNBC, and this has been Fort Knox, rich ideas and powerful people. Subscribe wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Check out the reviews on iTunes. Leave me a note. Also, subscribe to the Fort Knox channel on YouTube. That's F-O-R-T-T-K-N-O-X dot com slash YouTube. Follow me, John Fort, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. You'll also see video from more of these interviews. You can say hi to me live, usually Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. There I tackle some of the most interesting business and economic issues with a little help from my friends at CNBC and from you. Just go to YouTube and search for Fort Knox or go to LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter and search for John Fort and follow me. Meanwhile, share this. Tell a friend. Drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, FortKnox.com, LinkedIn, and as always, thank you for lending an ear. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.